Welcome everyone to episode 156 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin to discuss Liverpool's 3-1 win over West Ham. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So Liverpool didn't actually fall behind this time. They took the lead through a Mohamed Salah penalty in the 16th minute. But West Ham were able to equalise before the break thanks to Jared Bowen, obviously a player Liverpool have liked in the past, scoring at Anfield. In the end, though, Liverpool proved too strong in the first, in the second half, I should say. Darwin Nunez scoring on the hour mark and Diogo Jota made sure of the points with five minutes of normal time remaining. And quite a good stat about this victory. It's only the uh, second time in the last 43 years that Liverpool have scored three or more goals in their first three home games of a new season. And the last time they did this, they went on to win the Premier League. It was the 2019-20 season. So maybe it will be a tall order to, to do the same again this time, but it gives you an indication of just how good a start Liverpool have made, especially on home soil. So over to you then, Chris, your three-word match review, please. And what you thought of that Liverpool performance as a whole. Yeah, good evening, Dave. Um, I'm going to combine a bit of what you said with a bit of what Jurgen Klopp said for my three words, and that's second half maturity. Um, Jurgen Klopp made a big effort after the game to praise what he felt was a really mature performance um, from what is still very much a new-look Liverpool side, certainly within the midfield, a much younger Liverpool side than has been in recent years. And with that comes... Potentially a little bit of hastiness at times, even though McAllister, Sabozai, they are still experienced despite their young age in comparison to like so Fabinho and Henderson and James Milner, Diago, etc. And the list goes on. But the second half, I thought, was really good. The first half, again, we saw a slow start. West Ham could and maybe should have been 2-0 up by the time Liverpool took the lead. Um, and even then, when Bowen equalised, I thought West Ham were very much deserving of being in the game at half-time. But after the game, or after the break rather, you saw what was a really professional Liverpool display. I don't think West Ham really had a sniff of such after the break. I know Bowen had a header straight at Allison that he, on another day, probably would have scored. But really, throughout the second half as a whole... West Ham weren't a consistent threat. Liverpool were very much a lot more confident of possession. Um, and again, we said it a couple of times, you saw the impact of Jurgen, of Jurgen Klopp's changes. And I'll reiterate, I think he's feeling a lot more confident in himself in terms of being able to make those big decisions. Of course, Diogo Jota scoring off the bench um, after more changes from Klopp. And again, I think he's been in fine form in terms of doing that this season, the Liverpool manager. So overall, against a very, very good side, a very, very good three points. Yeah, honestly, I think that's an important point to emphasise. I mean, this West Ham team will probably finish somewhere between 7th and 10th and in the table this year. But you look at the talent that they have kind of up and down the team, really. I mean, again, obviously a very highly rated defender. Um, you know, they've obviously brought in a few players as well. I mean, Alvarez in midfield, Someone who I think has been quite sought after. Ward Prowse obviously been brilliant this season. Lucas Paqueta, who was absolutely outrageous in this game um, at certain moments. And um, obviously Bowen as well. And, you know, a pretty stacked bench. We saw Kudos coming on. So it's a very good side, you know, this West Ham team. 
and um, Liverpool. And again, the first half, I, can, I agree with you, Chris. 1-1 was fair at half-time, I would say. But second half, Liverpool really controlled it, aside from that Bowen chance. Um, and like you say, I think it's been a consistent theme this season of Liverpool just looking so much stronger. Um, and, and I, again, would second the idea that it was a slow start. And to be honest, I was surprised that we weren't 1-0 down. We saw, obviously, Mikel Antonio had a chance um, to score in front of the cop. Didn't take it. Liverpool scored the penalty. Um, but then, obviously, West Ham, I think they'd carved out some big chances in the first half. It's hard to begrudge them that equaliser. But yeah, second half, I just thought Liverpool took it away from them um, and really grabbed it by the score for the neck. My three-head match review was free-flowing football because that it was just so satisfying to watch Liverpool virtually every time they came forward, managed to create a chance. And, you know, we've got this new team and don't get me wrong, obviously we scored a lot of goals already, but this was a game where I looked at it and just thought everything looks like it's clicking going forward. Things obviously, you know, in terms of a complete 90-minute performance, maybe there does need to be a bit of progress, you know, on the other side of the ball. But certainly as an attack on fourth, it will just look so fluid and so in, in sync today. And they had seven big chances in the game um, and an XG of, of over three as well. So, you know, obviously the score line. I mean, West Ham's XG was 1.11 as well. So the, the, the score line was very fair in that sense of a poor 64% possession dominating the ball. 22 shots, which is twice as many as West Ham, um, and seven of those on target. So, yeah, and that just speaks to what I was saying about how creatively Liverpool really were on song today. And and that made it an, an enjoyable uh, game, really, and especially in that second half. Um, let's look at some of the individuals then. I want to do it a little bit differently today. Normally, we kind of pick out the outstanding players and just talk about them. But I want to open it up a bit more today, Chris. So, who is it that, that you want to talk about and draw attention to off the back of that game? One player in particular who I thought was very good, um, and I wasn't saying this after the Wolves game, or certainly the first half of the Wolves game, was Joe Gomez. Um, I think there were nine, nine duels that he took part in, and he won eight of them. So it was a really, really good performance from him. Um, never easy, of course, filling in for Trent Alexander-Arnold because... Alexander-Arnold is unique in what he can do going forward and Joe Gomez certainly doesn't have the range of passing that Trent Alexander-Arnold does but he was up against some really difficult opposition in Jared Bowen and on Jared Bowen I think it's well publicised as you say how big a fan Jurgen Klopp is of him and should Mo Salah move on I do think Jared Bowen is a very realistic target in terms of someone that Liverpool would look to bring in but that's a conversation for another day and Gomez did really, really well overall. Um, of course, there's debates in terms of his best position. Is he best at right-back? Is he best at centre-back? And you know, you got to be honest where you think that he should really know that by now. But credit where credit's due. Very good performance from him. Um, certainly better than he has been showing recently. So I would absolutely say you know, very well done to... Uh, to Joe Gomez. Um, I thought Alexis McAllister's assist for Darwin Nunez was absolutely exquisite. He wasn't even looking. He just knew Nunez was in that vicinity and that he'd be making that run. And, you know, that is... I think we saw at times today the, the proper Alexis McAllister. And he's still being a little bit restricted in that because he's having to play that number six role while it isn't as special as number six around. Um, but I don't think he's playing poorly at all. Um, and I think that you know, it was a very, very uh, 
well-executed assist from him today and a great finish from Darwin Nunez. Um, so they're, they're, they're my two standouts more so than, uh, I think, the, the usual suspects, if you want to say. Um, I saw Salah got player of the match from the club. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have necessarily gone with that as such, but again, it scores the penalty to, to, to break the deadlock and was a consistent threat throughout. And for people that are thinking Mo Salah's on the decline, well, he's just uh, answering them week after week after week, isn't he? So, uh, yeah, Gomez and McAllister, my two real standouts today that we wouldn't normally look at in such detail. Yeah, I also had both of those players noted down. I mean, to, to start with Joe Gomez, um, I think generally speaking, what we saw last season was if you had three Joe Gomez performances, two of them, he'd really struggle. And one of them, he'd play quite well. I, well, I think Man, Man, Man City, for example. Man City, where it was arguably his best ever performance in Liverpool shirt. The game yeah. afterwards against West Ham, gave away a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> just, which was just, quite frankly, awful. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's consistency's always been the issue with Joe Gomez because we yeah. know he's got it. I think that that probably those two games probably epitomised it last season for him. I remember he was also very good in the derby at Goodison, but then you have other games where he's playing, they just getting run ragged all the time. And I've always been, you know, a big fan of Joe Gomez. Always been someone who's, who's tried to defend him and, and and talk about kind of how much I rate him. I think I've kind of come to accept that he's not going to be that Van Dyke Canate figure who's just going to perform week in, week out for you. There are going to be games where he struggles. What he needs to do for his sake, in terms of you know his own sort of stocks, is kind of make sure that he's flipping that balance from last season where the vast majority of his games, he's actually performing really well. And yes, maybe he will struggle the odd time. But I just think the defender that we have now is someone who um, is going to have the odd bad game and we can kind of accept that because people talk a lot about consistency. I think sometimes, especially with defensive players, consistency is just a byword for quality. You know, just kind of being perform- performing every single week and not making mistakes. Only the very best defenders can do that. I'm not sure Gomez is in that category, but I think, you know, he can do a lot better than what we saw last season. I don't think that was the true version of Joe Gomez, really. Um, obviously, interesting to see where he figures most this season, too, because. You know, maybe we looked at him as, as mostly part of that centre back group, but given what's happening at right back, no kind of Bradley, Calvin Ramsey out on loan, um, Trent Alexander and Trent Alexander at the moment, obviously, yeah, and and Ramsey, yeah. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, even if he if he was at the club or even if he's back next season, we don't know what, how that's going to look. So it's interesting where he'll figure most. Obviously, playing right back recently, I think it was tactically interesting today too because I think we agreed on the podcast after Wolves that this kind of inverted role that he was trying to play in that game didn't really work. Um, didn't look a good fit. And when he came on against Lask in midweek, he was playing a lot wider. Today, it was a sort of a hybrid of the two. I thought there was moments when Liverpool were at the start of their build-up phase where he would kind of move into midfield. Um, but certainly, as he kind of pushed into the opposition half, it was playing wide a lot of the time. And, you know, honestly, some of the moments he had going forward today, I mean, one of his best, I'd say, offensive performances for Liverpool, even if he wasn't necessarily picking up an assist or creating loads of chances, just look in terms of looking kind of comfortable in that side of the game, which he doesn't always do. Um, just looking at some of the numbers, 8 out of 9 duels, like you've said, five tackles plus interceptions, 
51 out of 60 passes completed and two dribbles as well. I think there was a moment as well where he, he shrugged off. Uh, I think it was Antonio carried the ball forward and played a really nice pass out to Diaz. And that was probably his kind of individual highlight. And I was very impressed um, by him today. And probably someone who would play against Leicester in the cup in midweek, you would think. Um, and then Trent should potentially be back uh, for the game next week against Tottenham. So it's interesting to see what kind of the few weeks will look like after that for Gomez, whether he's going to get the odd Premier League chance or whether he's going to become a bit of a Europa League option. Um, to, to move on to McAllister, I've obviously been um, a, a tiny bit critical of him in, in a couple of our episodes and I was ready to kind of renew that criticism a bit after the first half where I thought some of the... He struggled a little bit in terms of giving fouls away, not maybe timing his tackles right um, and things like that. But second half, I thought it was the best start I've seen from McAllister since he arrived at Liverpool. Um, you mentioned the assist. It's an absolutely sublime pass. And it's the second time he's done something like that because the, the goal on the open day of the season, Diaz's goal against Chelsea, that kind of stems from McAllister's pass forward. So we know he's got that in his locker. So that was really good to see. Um, and I just thought... Um, defensively as well in the second half he was a lot better you know I'm still not 100% sold on this McAllister at six idea but you know it's not really is it sort of a lesser of two evils or what situation I, I wonder because you know you have Endo there who obviously is a very early days for him but McAllister kind of feels like the, the best possible solution whilst obviously it's not maybe the best fit for him um, and I, there was also one particular moment as well, I think down near the right touchline where Liverpool had just lost the ball and McAllister really kind of snapped in there to to win it back. And that was one of probably my favourite sort of underlying moments of, of the second half in a way. I mean, Chris, how, how do you sort of think the, the midfield is, is working at the moment? We've got this new midfield set up. The first choice three, obviously supported occasionally by the right back, seems to be McAllister in the deepest role. Jones ahead of him. Obviously, Graven Vetch came on today for his home debut. And then Saba slide to the right. I mean, what are you what are your thoughts on that sort of early trio that's forming? I think when I look back to say Lask as well in the week, there was that little bit of play when Saboslai picked up inside his own half and he drove forward and he played the pass through to Diaz and ultimately nothing came of it. But then I, I was reading some reaction online, and it was brilliant from Saboslai. I'm not taking anything away from it on that. People were saying in terms of watching Liverpool's midfield, over the last few years or so, while there has been success with the, with the midfield, we've kind of been so used to it being a workmanlike display that we're not used to seeing a midfielder do that. But that's what any good attacking midfielder should be able to do. Um, we were all in awe of it because it's just not something that we've seen for a couple of years. But now, because this midfield, it's important to emphasise, this midfield still has the work ethic. It's not as if it's gone from a workman-like midfield now to a talented midfield that doesn't work hard. It's providing the the, the tenacious hard work with the talent. Hmm. And I think that's what is it's, it's really helping Liverpool at the start of the season in all competitions. I think, look, Sabozlai, again, I could talk for ages on him. I'm such a fan. And I think anybody who's watching Liverpool is at the moment. Curtis Jones, I... I, I Honestly, I think if there's one thing that is good about McAllister playing six is that it's allowing Curtis Jones to play because I don't think he deserves to be dropped and that's a really important thing to say. 
what happens next week against Tottenham, where their midfield is so important. Madison, again, was incredible in the North London derby today. That might require a bit more of a man-to-man job. Mm. And will we see a change around there? Will Jones get dropped? Will McAllister move further forward? That will be something for Jürgen Klopp to decide over the next week or so, because I think it's something that would require a little bit more hard work there. We saw it in the opening day against Chelsea. Um, and let's, uh, let's all pretend that that isn't starting to look like a bad result to draw at Stamford Bridge. But, <laughs> but um, um, yeah, in jest, I say that in jest. But, um, yeah, overall... Delighted with how the midfield is working because it is still new look, but it doesn't look new look because they all just look that they look like they've known each other for years. Yeah, I mean that that Chelsea point I think is actually a fair one in a way. I mean, absolutely, this more record continues for them. I mean, obviously, there's an element of you know they they will sort of step up against um, you know for for a game like Liverpool, a lot of those players. Um, but it's it's strange because you know you've got this kind of return of of sixteen points out of a possible eighteen from a, a list of fixtures that looked quite tricky at the start of the season, and now you look at it and you think, hang on, could we actually have, have, have gone sort of perfect? But I suppose you know maybe a couple of the performances in there there was an element of of fortune or or an element of um, the score lines not being entirely representative of how the game went. So um, I think you've got to be obviously delighted with the return overall. I think you know it's. A really good point you make about the midfield in terms of this combination now between the industry and the quality, because you know we, you've seen a re-energize Jurgen Klopp. You see him doing his his fist pumps at the end of the game today, and to me, I think all of that vitality that he's got now is stemming from this sort of revitalized midfield. And I think he's he keeps calling it Liverpool 2.0, and I think he sees this as a fresh start with the options that he has. And I think Sabozlai. Um, has probably played the biggest part in that. Obviously, he had another very good game today, but also just sort of the way he's been able to evolve this team from a coaching standpoint as well. I think he's finding it really exciting. And someone said on Twitter today, now is probably a good time to say to him, what do you want to extend your contract? Because he seems to be mm-hmm. at his sort of happiest individually yeah. um, for a while, I suppose. Um, just to touch on one or two other players, I mean, you mentioned Salah there. We won't kind of delve into his performance too much. I mean, he's just kind of, you know what you're going to get from him at this point. Um, I hope you've managed to get him in your fantasy team by this point, Chris. Um, he's, he's, he's absolutely killing me at the moment. Um, I, I'm, I'm about a week or two off wildcarding. I've got a planned wildcard ahead of game week nine and I will not be avoiding Mo Salah on yeah. that. Um, I, I, I watched, I just saw, I saw you know, these co- you know, content creators and I just listened to a little, few opinions at the start of the season and I tried to spread the costs out a bit more. And um, no, Mo, Mo, you're ruining me, mate. You're absolutely <laughs> I, yeah. ruining me, yeah. I just think he's sort of, he is Mr. Consistent in the Premier League and Mr. Consistent, obviously, is good from a fancy standpoint. And that's 12 goals now in his last 12 um, home Premier League games, stretching back to last season, which is, I mean, his record at Anfield has always been incredible um but certainly in recent times it's almost a guaranteed goal uh, when he's playing in front of his own fans um, you don't play at home until after the wild card so that... <laughs> yeah a couple of yeah. couple of very tricky away games coming up now which we'll touch on in a second but one player i just want to mention before we move on chris is darwin nunez obviously you know misses a big chance and then gets his goal uh today do you think that he is now 
the first choice number nine, or, or maybe more to the point deserves to be the first choice in that centre forward role based on how he's been playing recently? You know what I'm sensing from Nunez now? I'll, I'll fire this straight back at you, Dave. I'm sensing a confidence from him. Last year, when he missed a big chance, like he did today, his head went down at times. And I know he'd still get into those opportunities, but he'd then maybe take an extra touch or things like that. Overall, he just looks so much more confident and that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I think that it was a point that that Klopp made about kind of the mood that he's in at the moment. And to be completely honest, I think the game against Newcastle, we looked at and said, this is a kind of maybe transformative moment where he kicks on. I hadn't seen too much of a difference in the game since. You know, I think he's played well and he's obviously got returns in terms of goals and assists, but we were sort of seeing the same type of player in terms of not being that reliable in front of goal. Obviously, he misses a chance today, but I think the point you made there, Chris, is crucial in terms of he misses the the sitter, if you want to call it that, but then he goes and scores an even more difficult opportunity. And I think I definitely noticed as well the almost the way he was able to keep his head up this time relative to last season where his head did drop and he did look short on confidence at times in games and he didn't look like he believed himself that that he was going to score. I think now there is maybe a bit more of that defiance in him. And I wrote an article last week about this because um, Haaland, when West Ham were playing Man City in, in their last game, missed five big chances, which was the most a player's missed on, on record um, since they started you know, collecting that data. But then he scored at the end of the game. And I just said that was kind of a perfect example for a player like Nunez where you're watching the highlights of that and you're like, oh, it's it's just not not Haaland's day, you know. He, he just looked completely out of sorts. But he kept believing. He was probably still certain that the next chance that arrives, I'm going to score. And it was sixth or seventh time, looking or whatever it was in that match for him. And Nunez today probably didn't have actually the same volume opportunities normally would, but it would have been easy for him to kind of sort of take that as a real blow when he... He skewed that chance wide, but no, um, fantastically taken goal from him. And I think it was good that Klopp sort of left him on because we've seen him at, at times, you know, come off um, quite early in the second half, but he gave him maybe that extra couple of minutes after the miss. Um, and, you know, he made it count. And then by the time he was coming off, he, he looked very, very happy indeed. Um, Liverpool obviously going on to seal the game shortly after Tujota um, as think, well. I think, I think as well, when you look forward now, just to answer your question about has he made himself first choice, I'll look ahead to the next um, the next two games in the Premier League. Spurs, while they're an exciting team, there are big questions to be asked defensively mm. of them under Postacoglu. Again, we saw that today. And as for Brighton, you, I mean, you're... So we, we we both like a stat. I think you 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 tend to have stats more to hand and things like that. But I think Brighton, are, even though they've had a, a decent opening in terms of fixtures, I think am I right in saying they're really quite poor in terms of xG? I think in terms of the, the, their actual xG numbers, their or sorry, no xGc rather not xG because their xG is through the roof the way they yeah. play. Their their expected goals conceded. I think it's like in the 
top five of t- in terms of like the most expected goals conceded. So they leak chances. Yeah. The next two, the next two defenses Liverpool are coming up against. I think they scream Darwin Nunez. I really yeah. do. And both teams as well, who you would think are going to give up, you know, a lot of space in behind as well, which is something that definitely suits Nunez. With, with, with them being away games as well, yeah. they're two teams that will attack. And again, I think that just that, that Darwin Nunez, I just think they're two games that he will look to really thrive in. And you are correct on the um, the point about Brighton's uh, numbers as well. Knew 10 point, it. 10.74 um, expect the goals against in, in their first six matches, which is actually more than Everton um, and more than Manchester United. So all the teams in the relegation battle are, um, are besting Brighton at the moment. Um, so let's... Um, we've talked about it there already, but let's look ahead to those next two games because... There's a temptation at the moment every time I'm sort of planning one of these episodes to have this little segment at the end where I'm sort of like, okay, so we've won this game, but are we actually a serious, you know, title contender? Are we, where where is this team at? Are we finally going to have the answer to that question? Not necessarily today, but in a couple of weeks time when we've played, you know, we're second, we're playing the team in fourth next week away from home. And then the week after the team in third, I mean, that feels like if Liverpool come away with maybe two wins or even a win and a draw from those games, I think, yeah, you know what, they can actually seriously look at challenging Man City this year. But there could also be sort of room for a bit of a reality check. I mean, how do you see kind of this next little mini run for Liverpool? This is a bold statement, but I think if Liverpool get two wins from those two games, I think they could well be top of the Premier League going into the national break. And I say that because I'm actually really looking forward to Arsenal facing a Rodri-less City. I think that'll be a massive factor going into that game. I think this Spurs team, I called it when Postacoglu went in. And just, just a side note, I'm such a fan of the guy. He has done so many interviews recently where he said, look, I knew I wasn't first choice at Tottenham. Everybody, every man and his dog knows I'm not first choice at Tottenham. But I've had that all my life. And... I'm going in, I'm doing the job. And I think Spurs fans really like that from him. They like that he has a style of play. Yes, he's maybe not the biggest name that they could have got or, or could have gone for, but ultimately, is he proving to be a good fit for Tottenham? I think he is. So, on Postacoglu, massive, massive fan of him. I think the way Spurs play, we, we're seeing an identity from Tottenham now. Over the last few years, Conte, Mourinho... Nuno's very short-lived spell. There was not, there was not an identity to Tottenham's play, and now we're seeing it. It's attacking, it's exciting. Uh, Son looks back to his best in certain games. Um, I know. I think he's got is it five goals, uh, five goals this season. I think, um, but he's only scored in two games. But again, the two games that he scored in. Away to Burnley, away to away to Arsenal. He just looks so threatening in that central role, and I think that's something they could well employ next week as well, given Liverpool's weakness at that area at the moment, because chances are still being conceded. Let's not kid ourselves. So, I think there'll be two really free-flowing games. Brighton again, talk of the town, rightly so. Was very surprised to see them lose in the manner they did against Ike in the week. But again, I think is that a little little bit of ignorance from. Premier League folk and just saying, look, Ike are the Greek champions. Why shouldn't they go to Brighton? And I think they stand a chance. So, uh, 
yeah, I was surprised by that. But both teams as well, you know, their XG, they'll be, they've been flying forward, got goals all over the pitch. And they will be two really, really big tests for Liverpool. I think the Carabao Cup comes at a decent time. I think we will see changes in the week, but I think it'll still be a strong enough 11 to see off Leicester, who went actually quite strong against Tranmere in the last round. But I do think that they will probably rotate a bit more, given look, their aim is going to be to get promoted in the first time asking, isn't it, from the championship? So uh, I think we'll see a bit of rotation from both sides. But Liverpool going into next week's game at the, at, uh, at the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And I think that could be a cracker. Like the North London derby today was amazing. Um, but I think next week has a chance to live up to that and hopefully Liverpool win off the back of it. Yeah, you'd have to say a team that can go to both of those stadiums um, and get and win against both teams based on how they're looking so far. And, you know, even if they if Liverpool got four points, there's going to be very few teams that are able to do that. Um, and just looking at it, I mean, obviously there's a lot to unpack from, from the two games, but one thing that you've got to kind of watch out for is I think if Liverpool... Uh, so if Liverpool's solution at the, in the number six position isn't going to be enough over the course of the season, then we're going to see that in the next yeah. in the next couple of weeks because whether Endo plays or McAllister plays in those matches, I think it will be kind of it will be exposed if Liverpool don't have the, the right protection in front of their back line. I mean, obviously we've seen them play, uh, we've seen them play Chelsea and probably looked a bit exposed there with McAllister. Newcastle was obviously a bit of a... Um, can't really read too much into that with the red card. So I think it is going to be a, a huge kind of, of indicator of, of where this team is. Um, obviously, at the moment, you kind of... There's, there's a lot of cause to get excited, but I think going into that that next international break, we're going to have you know a much better read of, of where we need to be aiming this season. And... Um, you know, especially given how well those two teams have started. Just one side note on it, of course, last last season's defeat at Brighton was probably the worst display away from home under Jurgen Klopp. Um, and also, I just thought, of course, I mean, City will go into every single game trying to win it, won't they? But I was going to say, they're both two games that you'd look that City would look to go and win, but then City are just looking to score at Tottenham, aren't they? So, mm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, that, that Brighton game in particular, I mean, it, um, when well, I was Brighton away in the space of well, a week and a half or two weeks or so, wasn't it, with, with the FA Cup as well? So there's um, that alone, when we come to that, that alone is, is is something for Liverpool to improve on. Yeah, and at the moment, you know, I think with each game that passes, you do feel a, a little bit more confident. This team is clearly flawed, I'd say, but going forward, I think they can compete with anyone as an attacking force. I think they need to get out of the habit of of starting a game slowly. Um, obviously, didn't concede first today, but they need to try and become more assured and more solid, definitely, if they're going to have sort of designs on competing with Manchester City. And I do think that there's just there's been a lack of you know complete ninety minute performances so far. And to what extent you can get those in the Premier League now, given the quality of opposition you're facing, I'm not sure. But you know, obviously, we know the benchmark is almost impossibly high at the moment. And um, like I say, I think today was probably the second best performance of the season after that game against Aston Villa. And what basically what we saw in the second half today, if we start seeing that, 
on a more consistent basis for a longer period, then I think, you know what, this is a serious, serious team. But it's still very early days. Um, it's just, you know, I guess <laughs> the main thing is that the star compared to last season, I mean, we're absolute worlds apart. And um, it's just, it's nice to be able to sort of look at the league table to watch match of the day when last season, for, for a large period, you'd be avoiding those two things like the plague almost. So, yeah, um, all optimistic at the moment and hopefully that lasts through this next little period that Liverpool have got and that starts with a game against Leicester City in the Carabao Cup and we'll be back with our next episode after that one in the meantime if you have enjoyed this podcast please do give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on we would really appreciate it and if you follow the podcast and press the notification button it'll appear in your feed and you'll get a message every time we post a new episode but yeah like I say we'll be back after the cup game which is on Wednesday night So we'll see you then. And until then, take care.